Hi, I'm Dr. Stan Steindl, and welcome to Compassion in a T-shirt in session with Chris Fraser. Chris is a therapist with over 20 years experience working with individuals, couples, families, and in particular, he has a passion for working with children, adolescents, and adults to help them to learn and develop compassionate mind skills. He's from Dublin, Ohio, in the USA. Along with his wife, Heather Doyle Fraser, he's the author of the book, Freedom, how teams can use mindful compassion to thrive in a chaotic world and grow a purpose-driven life. He's such a lovely person, and I hope you enjoy being in session with my friend, Chris Fraser. Well, welcome, Chris yeah, Fraser. Stan, so great to see you. It's really great to see you as well. Fellow Beatles fan. I, I'm absolutely impressed. Not only compassion in a t-shirt, but compassion in a Beatles t-shirt, which is- That's right. And you can tell how loved it is because it's so beat up and old. And if I stand up for you, you guys can see the message of the day. All, all you need is love. All you need is love. And now we're going to be talking to you about how do we cultivate it and what do we do when there's a lack of it and how do we bring compassion into our lives and more love. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it all, for, for, for you and I, I think, it kind of traces back to our first Beatles record and, and we'll, we'll, we might get into that, but um, you know, you were just describing coming across Sergeant Peppers as a five-year-old. And I, I remember, um, yeah, please, please me uh, oh, yeah. you know, at about the same age. So I started at the other end of the Beatles career, but um, you know, it, it, it all becomes one, but we first, um, Actually, our relationship really began, I think, as one of those social media ones where yes. we first started interacting, you know, online, I think. Um, and that's several years ago now. Um, yeah, and I remember being really um, compelled by a lot of the synchronicity. Yes. And like, oh, my God, somebody who's who resonates with the message of John Lennon and who who, you know, and then watching you travel and the, um, the, the, the post that you made, you know, just and the way you spoke about your love for your children mm. is I remember going, oh, this is a kindred spirit. Yes. Oh, that's, I remember yeah, that's... Yeah, just, and then uh, that was just such a, I remember that was just such a nice thing knowing that there's another soul that's touched by many of the same things you're touched by. Yes. So, I feel yeah. the same way. In fact, we're, we must be about the same era, you know, as well. Yeah, I'm 50. I don't, I, I have no, <laughs> yeah, I'll be 51 May. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm 50 in October. So, All right. See, look, we're right there. Yeah, exactly. You, you've, you've weathered a bit better than me. I, I've, I've gone really downhill with my. I think it's the, I think it's the ring light, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's glam, it's glamming me up a bit, you know? Yeah. But I, I also remember, you know, finally meeting you and Heather, your wife, um, face to face at, at Dennis Turch's Compassion Summit. So that was a joy as well. Where, by the way, I picked up my copy of this, um, Freedom. 
and so that that wonderful book for young people but um but yeah so so well actually we haven't really had a chance to have a big conversation about all all things you know and so i'm i'm looking yeah, forward yeah. yeah me too i, I wonder there's so many of us and yeah. so much beautiful things happening that we didn't really get the time to really step aside and and really really share you mm. know our work our lives our, our views you know mm. those things so we did yeah we didn't get that we did have lunch actually on, yeah on we did have lunch. i remember sitting down with yotam and yourself and marcella yes yeah lovely moment yes that i i remember that very fondly but um yeah, so well, but you know, I'm keen to, to sort of find out a bit more about you. So, you know, tell us, tell us a bit about yourself, I guess, um, you know, your, your sort of life, your journey into, well, maybe therapy as a, and, and as a therapist, but also, obviously, this, this compassion thing, you know, the, and, yeah. and compassion focused therapy. Yeah, what, what would you say about all that? Well, it, it's interesting for me, it's, um, you know, I remember bringing this up in a workshop with Dennis Tersh in New York City when Paul Gilbert was there. Right. And this question was asked people, asked to the audience, and um, I shared, it's very personal, but I felt compelled to share it. So when I was a little boy, um, my mom and dad were very young, and um, they were in the middle of uh, graduate, graduate school. Mm. And at that point in time, my, I remember my dad working on his dissertation and I remember him, he would be typing and then he'd get so overwhelmed, he would cry and my mom would comfort him. And there were moments, very tense moments there. And my parents were just here today visiting. And, but I remember my mother slamming a door in an argument and then coming in there and then climbing. I still remember climbing up the bed and then put in my hand, go, mom, it's okay. Hmm. It's okay. And I remember having this overwhelming feeling of, um, of just, I wanna help. Hmm. I, I wanna help. And I knew my dad was a helper, psychologist. My dad's a psychologist. Mm -hmm. And I remember, and Isabel LaBruce, she says, Chris, you felt the, the joy of compassion and Isabel. And I remember having that feeling. And in my little growing up book, it says, age five, what do you want to do? I want to be a helper. And I remember that distinctly. And I tell my mom, because mm. that was a hard time for them. And they were very young. And I remember that you seeing suffering and wanting to do something about it, your own mother. Mm. And then lovely Basil van der Kolk, a few weeks ago during a workshop said many of us come to therapy in order to save our mothers and i never i whoa where'd that come from well that resonates with me mm -hmm. and then from there when i entered school i discovered that i had a learning disability a difference i should say mm -hmm. and i remember noticing like how come those children can do this and i can't mm -hmm. and you know noticing that out of that suffering and then, but always, even on the psychological tests that I had growing up, you know, assessments, there was like this, one of my core strengths was this kid cares about other people and other things. Hmm. And there's one distinct memory I have when I was 
uh, probably around four or five. Hmm. My, my mom and dad are from upstate New York. It was Christmas. And my uncle had this big, fluffy Samoan dog, big, like husky. Yeah. And the poor thing was in the garage. And I got up in the middle of the night feeling so bad for the dog. I remember holding on, they had slippery stairs and I was going down, trying not to fall, tumble. And I go into the garage and I lay on the step and I put my arm around the dog and I fell asleep all night and they couldn't find me in the morning. And I still remember being there with my arm around the dog, the poor thing all by itself out in the garage in the in upstate New York gets feet of snow. Isn't that near Syracuse, the lake, you get the lake effect. And so it's cold, but I'm holding this dog. And so I remind myself that there was this call. And when I work with kids, I see that goodness. The first question a child comes into my office, I go, tell me what your superpowers are. I mean, what do you mean? I go, what do you love? What's the stuff you could do without anybody even teaching you? And then I ask the parent and they're ready to go, okay, you fix this kid. And I go, what, do you, what makes your child beautiful? What do you love about them? When you first held them, there's things you noticed, you sensed in them that nobody caught them. Mm. And what I hear, Stan, even the kids who have some conduct problems, when we get down to it, the parent tears up and they say, they have a good heart. Mm. They have a good heart. Even if they've come in angry and agitated. And so that reminds me that, that innate, goodness and children coming into this world with these gifts and abilities and i go back and remembering that call to compassion seeing suffering i was on a walk with a kid a uh, young man and there was a caterpillar and he goes oh caterpillar and, and, and he goes down he goes he, his eyes teared up and he goes oh it's dead hmm. and he, he he took up some he buried it he said a little prayer and this kid was kicked out of school for punching people hmm. and so seeing that and then fostering that and then how did, how do we direct that compassion to himself, to ourselves mm. that I see instinctively there in children. And when I used to work in foster care and adoptions, I would see these teenage mothers and their little children trying to take care of them. Mm. Instinctually, they could sense mom is dysregulated, mm. you know, and they would try to help so that human you know, seeing suffering and then the response to, to care. Mm. And of course, with the foster, that's quite complex when you think about attachment and, and fostering. But the, even those little kids, you would see that. Mm. So my story goes way back, mm. way back. And then the journey from, from that place mm. forward. Mm. Yeah. And, then, um, and then I realized, you know, gosh, I need to do something about this. And then I came, I came across, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I came across uh, Buddhism mm. and it was interesting. Um, like in college, uh, I ran, I ran into a book uh, called a journey of awakening by Ram Dass mm -hmm. and Richard Alport, the Harvard professor that was friends with Timothy Leary and then found it left and found his own path went to India a number of times and then brought some of those traditions back. And there was something, you know, you know, about, about his message in there. 
And then I went to Nepal my senior year of college and studied in a Buddhist monastery for a week and then lived in a family. And then I suffered greatly. I suffered because seeing the suffering, you know, the children with no shoes and, and sick and leprosy. And it was almost like the Buddha going out of the golden palace and seeing real suffering that's not hidden from us in the West. And then sitting in the, in the monastery and then one time getting so extremely sick that I was up all night in Kopan Monastery overlooking Kathmandu. And it was like a Tonglen meditation occurred in my mind for my mom's friend who had cancer. Let me take this suffering from her so she can, she, so she can have rest. And then, then also, may I have compassion for my own suffering as I lay up here. And that opened my heart, Stan. And um, mm. it, was a, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing that occurred for me. It, it really sort of woke me up and I started meditating. And um, it, was, uh, it was a journey that, that really started me on this journey of compassion. Um, and many times uh, during that time of growing up, there's times I didn't think I could do it. Mm. I don't think I could like, make it through graduate school because, you know, with the dyslexia and ADHD, I was just struggling. But the compassion work and the meditation and then that going back to that little kid, I, I need to do this because I need to be able to be of help. There's, I need to be of help. Somebody needs who has suffered this way needs to be in this spot because I went to a therapist my senior in high school and he just sat there and goes, how does it make you feel? And I go, I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Come back next week. We'll yeah. talk again. Mm. I mean, you talk and I'll sit here looking at the clock. And so I said, somebody who, somebody needs to do something who's suffered, who's been there, but also has the understanding that you have greatness in you, you have beauty, you have gifts, you have strengths and abilities. You're more than your deficit. You're more than the itty bitty crappy committee in your mind that tells you these things, mm. you know? And I remember in high school looking in a mirror you know, in my, in my parents' car and seeing my acne-ridden face and going, God, I hate you. Mm. And nobody knew. It was painful. So painful what we can, the pain we can inflict on, so kind, saving little bugs. But then, oh, I hate you. Mm. That's how that can turn. Mm. You know, we know with the evolutionary science, how that if we turn on ourselves and attack that thing that we don't like, but it's within us. And so, owie. But I remember that and I write about it in the book and I remember I'm going to say this and then a lot of teens go, oh my God, you too? You wouldn't look in mirrors so you wouldn't see yourself because you didn't, it was that painful. Mm -hmm. but, um, but then to be able to actually look at yourself, even like on Zoom, the seat, we see ourselves all the time. Yeah. A lot of times it goes to, you know, you said, man, I didn't age as well as you. And I'm looking at you going, you look like, man, I would love to have that hairline, man. And and how that works, you know, it's like, holy crap, you're like a Hugo Boss kind of, uh, kind of advertising, but you look, might look at me and go, you know, damn, look at, you know, whatever, you know, so, but anyway, Stan, that's, um, that's, that's some of my, unpacking it, and, uh, and it was, and then having, um, for me, is having a group of people, I was a soccer player, I was a football soccer player, mm. and when I was running free, I was out of my mind, and I could run like a wild man. And then I was with a tribe of people who, who were there for me. 
And I became a captain of the team eventually. And I was a very shy kid because I didn't want people to know I didn't, my shoulders still sometimes roll. And so I'd pull into myself, but on the field, I could be free. Mm. And because I'd suffered, like when I could notice, like when other players would get down and I would come over and pick them up, you know, if I knock somebody down, I'd, I'd pick them up off the ground. And being in that leadership role of being able to do something, but also be strong and powerful really helped me get through that mm -hmm. one place of competency. Didn't feel good in the classroom, but on the field, physically, and being part of that group really helped me pull through. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had a best friend who I played with. And I remember he and I saying, God, if we lived in hunting and gathering time, we'd be king of the hill and these national merit scholars, they'd be, they'd be eaten by lions in, within a day. And now he, he and we remember we were saying that. And then he, uh, he's now is one of the top chefs in New York City in Manhattan. Right. And where his creativity and his hyperactiveness is just, I think he won the best fries in Manhattan last year. I think he won some award for the best French fries. You know? awesome. But so I could, I could jam and jam out on that. But, um, but that's part of my story. Mm. Um, and then when I became a therapist, what was hard was, Oh, you're not as good as your dad. Oh, your dad's written five books and speaks around the world. Um, and then I was able to move through that with compassion. And then I got my dad a, a gig with Steve Hayes, the father of ACT. Mm -hmm. And Steve, we got talking and I told him, I said, my dad gave up his, his, a bit of his career for me and cut back. And my mom said, I can't, you're, I, I'm, you're working too much. I, I can't do this. And he, and he cut back for me and cut his career back because he, he was running with world famous people at that time. Mm. And he cut back his work. And Steve said, how about you, you and your dad and I do something? And I said, it's like a little boy being able to help his dad again. Mm. And Steve said, this one really makes me smile. And it was really neat to have that, to be able to give back because my dad sacrificed his career. He was... He was very good friends with the solution focused folks in the early stages. Right. He was friends with like in Sue Kimberg and Steve Zeshazer would come to my house, the, the, the founders of solution focused therapy. Wow. And Eve Lipchix was part and Bill Hanlon. They're all, all therapists that would be part in, and, and he's part of the MRI Mental Research Institute in Palo Alto. So some of those people, Richard Fish, and some of those people would be a part of our lives. And um, and then my dad goes, you know, you know, hey, I was the same guy who didn't think I knew shit either. I love you, son. You, you know, so that's a little bit of the window. I have an interesting way in because not many people have a, and then my dad also struggled with dyslexia and, and sometimes he's still sometimes, uh, you know, say, gosh, you know, that teacher said, Scotty Fraser, you are so intelligent. Your IQ is up here, but you're just lazy. And his eye, his eyes choked up when he told me that like a year ago. Mm. So that, that hurt. Mm. And so I found compassion work for that little boy, you know, to bring the hold that little kid and uh, dad's still learning. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do it for him. I do it for him. He's still learning. We were talking today and I, I've been meditating for years and he goes, he's finally found Tai Chi. He goes, Oh, I can, Tai Chi is more my thing because I move and I go, yeah, because that busy mind is a wicked thing. He goes, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fun. It's fun. I'm taking you all over the map. So I know if you, we got, I could talk all day. 
Uh, so please, please interrupt me to take us. You want to take us in a different direction? No, no. I, I, I mean, there, well, there's a, there's a, a lot in there. I mean, I've just been you know, eagerly listening to your storytelling, and, and that is something that you are exquisite at. You know, is is that ability to to weave a story and and a personal story with insights and messages and to listen to you and to watch you speak you know as well you speak with your whole body and um it, it's kind of just so kind of engaging and capturing of one's mm -hmm. attention to, to to listen and, and watch um and and you, you you do have some some beautiful youtube actually it, just, it reminded me of one or two of those that you you've done and, and i might um kind of include those in the link below but but you're you're just so you just are so expressive mm. um and there's so much in there i mean i i, I think it, it you know that that idea that you know we really are born with this capacity this, this capacity to kind of get it you know even when we don't get it we sort of get it because we sense it or, or we feel it and we are able, what, I mean, you know, you're at a young age, really empathize and mentalize and, and look at another person and we get it. We can see the suffering or feel it or sense it or something and almost, you know, can't help but then feel moved by that and, and yeah. a deep, deep desire to, to help, especially, you know, like one's mother, for example, you know, that, that, that desire really arises sometimes, but, but just all living beings, even right from the start, it's, it's yeah. actually all living beings. And, and the, 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 the beautiful, you know, husky dog or the tiny caterpillar or, you know the, the 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 parent or the friend at school you know what it, we we just really seem to be programmed that way um and that just i love those two questions that you might ask a young a young person and their parent you know what is your superpower yeah. i mean it just goes straight for the the, the strength and beauty of a person and yes. then what what is the thing that that is most beautiful or something about your child, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And what makes what do you, what makes your child beautiful? What makes your child beautiful? Yeah. And and that just it just turns the table on things, doesn't it? It just suddenly we're looking at things from a whole, uh, looking at another person, uh, you know, from from this whole different perspective. And and yes. And and then yet at this very same time, <laughs> we we beat the heck out of ourselves um yeah you know and 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 there you are as this this lovely little blonde five-year-old I'm, I'm guessing no blonde um, is it but yeah yeah uh, being so loving and then as a teenager you know so so attacking of oneself <laughs> in that sense yes. we, we have that capacity too yes and then I also, the, the gratitude for having a stable base of parents that nurtured that in you, mm. you know, and then having that. And I tell my parents that because you've 
given me this stable base, it has allowed me to be of help to others. And it's almost like I feel the call to use that so I can launch from here for others who were born into very, very, uh, very challenging, very difficult, possibly abusive, or really where they suffered, mm. you, know, you know, that I can lend that base and move through that and uh, launch from there. Mm. Um, and then to, uh, you know, but even in those, even when I worked with very, very impoverished families, you would see that beauty in that kid who've, who's got, created great crimes. Mm. See, you would see that, that, that loveliness. Mm. Like they'd be so great with animals or they'd be so kind to a younger child. And you would see that and you, you know, and you light that up in mm. them. And I would remind that the, you know, the policemen and other people around them, I said, they're more of a harm to them, potentially to themselves than anybody else, because they're wicked to themselves internally, internally with how harsh they are mm. with their internal thoughts and, and self-attacking, you know, you know, stuff that they inflict on themselves. Mm. Mm. So you just see that time and time again. And, you know, I, gosh, I remember a story about a boy who would lit and lit and he'd light fires and all kinds of stuff and he wouldn't speak very much but i he noticed the artwork he noticed some of my aunt's artwork that i had from the from the freedom book mm. and it was a tree the tree of life um the, it's called yggdrasil in um in the norse mythology and he just i saw him looking at it and i hand him a piece of paper and he just started drawing mm drawing and drawing and I said wow that's amazing and I, I showed his parents and then he started talking to me you know mm. and then I encouraged him to try for a scholarship and he, he won an art scholarship for summer classes oh, and okay. he had, and he just started just growing this piece of you know he would just he just became and he was able to move and have some compassion like he would for little animals in his artwork, he would come out and express and that, that gift just came out and he found something. He had nothing. He lived in a trailer park, had hardly anything in his life. Mm. Um, so you see these things and people are about to throw away the key and put them in an institution. Mm. And there is this little thing, this gift he, came, he had. And then his parents even saw it and oh my gosh, you want a scholarship and mm. it switched, it switched. So this beauty of we're not broken we're not defective and uh, paul gilbert you know you, you know hey you, you didn't you didn't design or engineer this thing you just got you were given this mind with these primitive instincts to mm. attack and to close and under threat and to you know get into these places with yourself mm. choose it it's not your fault mm. yeah. it's not your fault it's a it's a sort of a an incredible almost contradiction within us isn't it the the two yes. ends of this spectrum almost the, the the sort of um the the deeply compassionate sort of side of our innate kind of nature as well as this callous or cruel side and and the way that we um can turn that so viciously on ourselves and quickly, 
viciously, quickly, and sort of unreasonably. Really. Yeah, yeah, I'm very. That's it. Unreasonably. Yeah. yeah, and and we 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 all do it, you know, and and it it, it seems to be just part of the deal as well. Yeah, I noticed that. I tell the kids, you see another human being, if they're still here, that's because they have this tricky mind. And uh, but it, it, you know you uh, you know I always say to them like if we played a game, Stan. So Stan, what am I thinking? And you say, oh, well, you know, maybe how to help me, Chris. I go, no, I'm thinking about beans. And they laugh, you know, and I'm like, we have unlimited access to what's going on in our own mind, none to anybody else. That's why it's so hard to be a human. Just, just talk a bit more about that then, you know, that, that, that not, because on the one hand, we have incredible access, don't we, and through empathy and mentalizing. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, like you're saying there, we never really know what the other person's thinking. And we often... Think it's about us or <laughs> we assume the worst so what are your thoughts there oh, yeah so like with the teens they start giggling you know because like oh, beans yeah and uh and then having that un, you know they're like what the why beans i go because you would never guess i was thinking about beans so i'm thinking of beans you know beans 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 and uh so that unlimited access to your own mental world and and nobody has that. Yes. But so when I look at you, Stan's might be thinking, Chris is talking too much and he has a booger and I wish I could tell him, but we're on screen. Yeah. And you might, you know, so we're always mentalizing in order to, so we, so we, so we, so we're, we all want to be loved and included because we're these little tribal peoples mm. have these instincts to watch other people. Do they love me? Do they accept me? Am I enough? Am I contributing enough? Am I talking too much? Mm. And so we have this social mentality, but because we don't know, we can't see, you know, your dog doesn't worry about tomorrow or doesn't eat, you know, a 50 pound bag of dog food when you're not looking and then throw up all night and say, I have no, oh, I have no willpower. I'm horrible. They're going to call me fat dog tomorrow. They're going to make fun of me. They don't do that. They don't get ulcers. Yeah. But as a human being, the compassion because it is so difficult, it's so beautiful. And we can savor things. We can remember sunset and feel that. But we can also punish ourselves where something we did that occurred and we can rewind it over and over and in our mind, evoking all this horrible feeling. Mm. Um, that's why the wisdom of CFT, the wisdom of a lot of the things we can teach really is like freedom. Mm -hmm. It's freedom. And every one of us will get trapped. You know, Paul Gilbert, Dennis Tersh, Steve, hey, any of us, if you're human, if you're still breathing, you will get hooked, you will get trapped. Yeah. But with compassion and wisdom and courage, then you know, it's, okay, it's not my fault. Well, what can I do? And when you join together with other people, even like teens, especially, because they want, you know, then you go, oh my gosh, you too? You don't look in mirrors? Mm. You know, oh, you know, you uh, purposely sometimes, uh, uh act like you're sick to avoid things with your friends oh i do that too you know and then that becomes that you know that ability that you know we all have secret sorrows mm. but when we come together our, our our suffering evokes that compassion and that attunement with one another that gives us strength mm. oh you too mm. 
like Stan, you know, for you to say I look young, I was like, who, who's he to say that? He looks, he looks like a model, and I look like, you know, I don't know, a cue ball. You know, and a critic is like that, you know. Yeah. I tell kids, I say, when do you look in the mirror when you wake up in the morning? And go, I look good. No, it usually goes to like, oh, I got another zit. It goes, it's a, it's a shit. Excuse my language. Well, yes, I'll say it. The mind's a shit magnet. It is. It's a shit magnet. It's like, where's the shit? The shit could eat you. Where's the shit? And yeah. so, and so if we become like a joy hunter, knowing that, you know, the Velcro is the shit. Oh, I'm stuck to the shit. Ah, oh, damn it. But the joy and then noticing like, and then we pick up the shit stick and go, God, I hit and then you're covering your eyes. Oh, suck. I'm ugly. I'm stupid. I can't believe I said that in front of that, that guy I like. Oh. And then you're laying on the ground and you go, oh, you know, and your friend looks like, what, why did you just do that? Oh, I needed to do that to learn. So I never say stupid things. And do, and, but you, you knocked your teeth out and you're all bloody. It's like, oh, come on, friend. Come here. They help you up and they'll, they'll hold you. And, it's, and sometimes they won't say anything. And good friends don't need to say anything. They just feel it. Or they say, hey, that's bullshit. You know, you're not shit. So don't shit on yourself. You know? Thank you. Uh, you, know, you know, so it's, um, and you see it happen like that mm. in all of our lives. It will happen so quick. So Victor Frankl's in between stimulus and response, there's that space. Mm. And in that space is your freedom and power to choose man's search for meaning. He observed between stimulus and response. There's a space. How do you find that space? And that's mindfulness. That's a mindful awareness. It's compassionate awareness. What's going on? Where am I now? Where's my mind? What can I do? I can ground my breathing, regulate myself because I'm in threat. I'm seeing stand. Oh my God, I'm threat. Slowing down. Grounding in the body because we're primitive. You know, if our heart, we're not going to do long division, you know, if our heart rate's up and we feel like we're going to get eaten by a lion, there's no way. Oh, sorry, I need to carry the one. Kitty, oh, oh. Leave me alone. You want, do you want some sauce? No, you ground. Now you have that window. Now you have some choice. What's showing up? Russell Colts, a cheerleader in one of his classes said, when in doubt, circle out. My threat, am I in drive? Am I in soothe? What do I need? Ah, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so just uh, riffing on that a little bit, yeah. It, it's um yes i mean again so much there that the um this idea of this social mentality um we're such i, I often think you know we're such a hyper hyper social species but so damn bad at it sometimes you know yes so we we look at other people and of course i'm sitting here just thinking you know oh chris is so poetic and, and wise and, and deep of thinking and using metaphors, you know, like, can I keep up with him, you know, intellectually in this And my mind's going, holy shit, am I going too far out in left field? Am I taking them all over the place? Uh, yeah. And so, and so, and then that beautiful, just even in an interaction, the beauty of it and how you share that and I share that and then people watching this go, wow, we're human. Here's two therapists. We're human. Hey, we're all okay. Even when, even when our, even when our mind and tells us we're not. 
it, it's actually, you know, quite often sort of good news in the end, isn't it? I mean, the good news is that actually, you know, people aren't really thinking half of what we think they're thinking. No. <laughs> they're much more concerned about themselves. Uh, and I so had a best friend. I was a skinny kid. He took me to the weight room. He was built like a Greek god. He was Greek, actually. He right. looked like John Stamos from the 80s. All the girls loved him. And I was this skinny little thing. And I said, I'm not going in there. He goes, come on. He takes me in. I'm lifting 10 pounds. And he did such a compassionate thing. He goes, now, look around. It was a, it was a big weight, weight room facility with mirrors. He goes, look around at all the people. Look at their eyes. He goes, nobody's looking at you. They're too worried about themselves. Yeah. My friend, Chris Zunas, you know, and I remember he helped me. He goes, I'm here with you, dude. He goes, I'm one of the strongest guys in this gym. And, and he really helped me with that. Mm. And he under, he goes, look, they're too busy. And I looked and they were, they're, they're all looking at themselves going, you know, yeah. And it was such a gift he gave me. Yeah. And, and also just that, that sort of awareness that we're all, going through it at the same time you know that that's terribly uh comforting almost or i mean it, it, well, actually that's a weird word to come out of my mouth <laughs> isn't it because we're all we're all suffering so that's not a, necessarily a good thing but on the other hand um we can see another person we up up, up come our our sort of fears about you know sort of self-conscious fears and then we realize perhaps actually they're not really looking at us. They're, they're more concerned with, with themselves and looking at themselves in the, in the mirror. Um, and, and then we think actually, well, actually they're, they're going through it too. You know, that, that actually the reason that they're so concerned about themselves is because they're worried about what everyone else is thinking. And so yeah, they want to be loved, accepted. They want to be loved, powerful, whatever it might be. Yeah. I, I was talking with Charlie Harriet Maitland um, oh, just last night. Lovely. Uh, I was talking to him because uh, he's kind of supervising me in running their CE's Compassionate Mind Training course. So uh, we were having a, a lovely chat last night about session one. Um, but one of the ways they sort of talk too is they, they talk about um, going out onto the balcony of our mind in a way so that the mind is tricky. And as you say, and it, it gets all caught up in loops uh, again, as you were referring to, you know, we, we worry about what other people are thinking. We worry about and ruminate over something that happened yesterday. We worry about what might happen tomorrow. And they talk about stepping out onto the balcony and looking back into the mind. And, and, and that's a little bit like what you were describing before, you know, the, use of mindfulness and, and opening up a little bit to, to what's happening and, and bringing that sort of mind awareness and also understanding and wisdom of all of these crazy elements of the brain and how it, how they, how it sort of does all of this stuff and, and trying to soothe and soften, uh, create a, a, a different relationship with, with all of those systems of the brain that get so tricky yes yes and with adolescence i found out um being active like you mentioned in the body is uh like bringing it taking it into um action 
mm. you know, a lot of like, talking, like even standing up, uh, Deirdre Faye, there's a lot of embodiment work. Mm. And so we embody our compassionate self. And a lot of times then, you know, like in session and we'll, versus being here in our heads, being in, in the moment with them in session. So, for example, sometimes I'll be their mind and they've written down stuff, you know, their inner critic has said. And when like online, we'll do a lot of like Tobin Bell and Matt Pugh's chair work, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, we'll bring it really physically into this room. Like, for example, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, Stan, you'll be, you know, talking to you as your compassionate self to, um, you know, the inner critic here. And Stan, I'm gonna step down to Australia and I'm gonna be right here next to you, okay? And so like, I'll step out and the team is like, imagine, close your eyes, imagine that I'm here with my hand on your back as your compassionate other. And here in this chair, you know, and, and you can see that expression. Oh my God, did you see that they did this to you? Did you see that right here? Dang, I, I got your back, it's okay. It, you know how it does that stuff sometimes. And we do, we get, we'll get into like a lot more active, interactive versus a lot of talk. Yes. And sometimes we even lay on the ground, like when it, before COVID and, uh, and get our, you know, our shit stick out, you know, in the threat mode and we'll get down there and we'll see if we can see this on the side. Can you see that? No. Oh, dang, look what's happening. You know, when we get caught, you know, we can't see life is happening over here, you know, or what's going on. So that's the one thing with, with, with adolescence, um, because, you know, I've noticed, you know, the psycho ed part of, of CFT is lovely, but we got to bring it to life because they're going, okay, three circles, threat, drive, cortisol, what is it, dopamine, is that, what's the hormone related to drive, okay, but we get bringing that to life, or, hey, Stan, put your hands up here, I have something very beautiful to hand you, don't worry, it's not a turd or anything, it's safe, oh, right? So, all right, so, I just handed you a lovely little puppy. And, and this puppy we found under a car today and it was whimpering. But when you kneel down, it, it looked at you and it goes, Stan safe. I trust Stan. I don't know why, but I trust in that. So many other people have hurt me. And so I, you bring that puppy to your heart, you know, and then you feel this, oh gosh, I, I'll, I'll take, I won't hurt you. So as you bring your hand to your heart, we're, we're illustrating the soothing system, you know, and then that puppy, you look down at it and it closes its eyes for the first time, feeling safe. And you feel this overwhelming, compelling draw, like, I, I'm, I'm going to take care of you. And this puppy grows and grows and grows until it's like a Harry Potter, like in the United States, we have Clifford the Big Red Dog. Oh, yeah. It's like a 400 pound and, it, and it's standing behind you now, Stan. And now it senses that you might be hurting and I will not let anybody hurt you. You were there for me mm. when I was wounded and injured and I needed somebody. Mm. And the teenager is sensing that as we're talking about explaining the drive system and the, or the soothing system. And they'll come back and go, oh, I felt that. I felt warm. Oh yeah, it was a golden retriever. And then I could feel its heartbeat and it was around me and it was gonna protect me and it wouldn't let anybody F with me because it was 400 pounds. And I go, that's the soothing system, brother. Oh, wow. 
I felt that calm. My whole body felt calm. My stomach started gurgling. I was like, yeah, dude, you're doing it right. That's your digestive system. Because they'll notice their stomach gurgling. Or the teenagers usually yawn because they're up all night. They're like, yeah. like, look, it's working. You're yawning. See, that's a soothing system. Uh, so some of the things with teens is bringing it on that as we introduce some of those things. Yeah, there's a beautiful weaving though, isn't there? I, I can, yeah. you know, like you, you were sort of talking about um, you know, so the, the informational bits and the, you know, the sort of dopamine and, and whatever. But what I can see you do is it, 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 it's in there. It, it's, it's woven in throughout. It's woven into the stories. It's woven into the metaphors. Then there's the imagery. Then there's the, the kind of reflection and inquiry after practices and always bringing it back to sort of, you know, reflection and, and noticing. And, and then there's the the, the the sort of active behavioral body based sort of getting up and about and doing stuff even online you're getting people reaching and doing and and um and and ultimately embodying in fact i when you were telling me your dad was getting more into tai chi because he liked the movement and stuff i was thinking man that's i i get that too because there is something about staying you know kind of movements you know, staying with movement and 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 the the practice of all of that and so you know there's just this sort of glorious almost um by stealth you know kind of packaging of the psychoeducation which can feel a bit dry sometimes but it's yeah, beautifully yeah. packaged up in all of these entry points of imagery the body the awareness the movement the stories yeah. And it's wild. They'll remember, like, even after a year, they go, oh, yeah, that's like the puppy. And I had the puppy and, a, mm. and it was like, oh, yeah, no, I remembered that. And they'll remember. Mm. And I remember, you know, Freud would say, go ask the, I don't know, go ask the poets. Right. Go ask the poets. Go yeah. ask those bastards. They, they know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The poets know. The storytellers, the poets. Yeah. Go ask them. <laughs> Yes, the, the, the imagery um, is, is so powerful. To, I, I love that stuff. And, and the chair work that you described, getting people sort of doing it. By the way, I really like the, the look of the covering on your chair. That looks sort of... Oh, you know, that, that is it. I'm in a basement, so that's like for warmth, but also it's so, it's so cozy, you know? Now, Chris, I, I'll actually... Um, have to let you go in a moment because it's it's late over there and, and early over here. But one of the things that I've just been checking in with people because I, I do like things in, in threes. Um, mm -hmm. And so this was the bit where I was sort of keen to know, I mean, what, what, what would be your, your three tips? Now, uh, you know, the, I, I reckon there's a hundred tips that you've already tips. said today, which are, which are incredible, but, if people are just sort of thinking about compassion and, and incorporating it into their life, maybe the self-compassion or, you know, across the three flows and, and so on, what, what would be your, your three tips, three things that they could do or think about to help them along the way? Well, you're right that the hard part is narrowing it down. Yeah. You know, you're like, so. Oh. and so in, you know, one thing I've learned to embrace, you know, the ADD and the, and, and, and notice, noticing what shows up in the present moment 
So the, I have nothing if people, there's no notes. There's just my book here sitting here. I don't have anything pre, you know, ready to go Stan. So I'm gonna go just taking a moment. If I slow down and I just check in with myself. Oh. And I just sort of notice what shows up. You are loved regardless of what your mind tells you. We all struggle. This is not your fault. We have this evolved mind. We didn't choose to be here, but we're here. And we can learn to love ourselves, even with our, all our different flaws. We're all awesome and we're all flawed. So that means we're freaking flossom, just as we are. So those few things, and everyone you see has a deep inner struggle just like you. And that is part of that common humanity that we're all here. We all suffer. It's the price of admission. You are loved even with your flaws. You're flossom. And then I blow a big kiss to him. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you very much for what was an entertaining and vibrant as well as yes very very insightful lots of lots of things for me to to go and meditate over there and 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 sort of thoughts and, and ideas and stories uh i really so much appreciate your approach with all this and and the way that you're you know kind of getting that message out there you, you do it with so much heart and and um just, well just genuine kindness and I, I appreciate it very much if people were wanting to to get in touch or or that sort of thing do, you know what well you have the compassion collaboration as well yeah the compassionate mind collaborative cm compassionate mind collaborative check us out we're really wanting to bring people who are doing all kinds of compassionate practices together hmm. so feel free that the compassionate mind collaborative check it out Chris yep. and Heather Fraser, you'll find us. Okay. Um, and Stan, to me, for me to sit here, to be with you, to be interviewed is such an honor because that little boy finally getting to have a voice, sitting in the back of the room so he wouldn't be heard, gets to speak and to, to spread what's in his heart to a, to a broader audience, Stan. I couldn't. You don't know how much this means to me. No you saw something in me that you felt worthwhile to share with others so i'm really sincere i'm sincerely thankful mm. uh and and i uh, deeply appreciate your willingness to to, to do all this and, and take time out of your day to to spread such a beautiful message so thank you chris yeah, fraser yeah. we'll do this we have to do this again we have to chat again maybe next time i interview you on a compassionate mind collaborative and okay. well, switch roles that'd be a blast that sounds wonderful excellent mate all right, all well, right thank you very much and we will talk again